Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Fairway of Ungallion, the Neon Genesis Evangelion podcast, where we go through the series bit by bit. My name is Keith, going through for his last time, and as always, I'm joined by Peter. Hello! Who is going through for his first. So today, we're doing another episode, not on any specific volume or release, but instead we're actually going to go through some of the fan theories, conspiracies, or just general misconceptions of the franchise. Fan theory. Gendo, not a good father. <laughs> I think that's a misconception. Yeah, that might be a misconception. <laughs> He's actually a great father. Yeah, and a great boss, too. Yeah. In fact, if you refer to some of our earlier podcast episodes, I believe I referred to Gendo as potentially one of the better dads in fiction. Yep. Or the best. <laughs> or potentially just the best. But yeah, for this one, uh, we're just going to discuss and go over some of the general ones that are known. Uh, we'll start off with a lot more common ones, but then we'll work our way into some of the more obscure, not-known ones. And of course, if you happen to have a theory that you don't hear us mention, you would like us to talk about, or anything like that specifically, send us a message. We will dedicate an entire podcast to your one individual theory. It'll be a five-minute podcast. <laughs> I, just, I don't know if it's going to be a long one, <laughs> depending on what the thing is. You give us a complicated enough podcast, and we'll, we'll dissect it. <laughs> not a podcast, give us a complicated enough theory, we'll dissect it. Uh, so, uh, I guess we just dump, uh, jump right in, start going through some of the stuff. Uh, I'm curious to see if you have any of these theories, or it might have been things you even thought about that. It's like, oh, so other people think that way. Nope, I've been smooth brain this entire time. <laughs> Things just glide now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so the first theory is a very popular theory from End of Evangelion specifically. Uh, and it hasn't really come up much since, but uh, definitely in the early 2000s it was one that was discussed a lot. And that is that at the end of Evangelion, Asuka's pregnant. So the idea behind this is it's going full on Adam and Eve type of mentality stuff. And the word she uses uh, at the end of I feel sick or how disgusting, uh, the translation in Japanese is a term used for morning sickness. Fair. So that mixed with all the context people believe is supposed to be implying that Asuka is pregnant with the next line of humanity after the events of End of Evangelion. Awful. I, I don't like... I mean, I don't disagree necessarily. I don't like to think more about that theory. I would like for this to be all of the thinking I do about <laughs> that theory. Well, you said your brain's too smooth to hold on to it. It's good. It's gone. <laughs> smooth brain protection. Works every time. Yeah. Uh, so that, that's definitely one of the more common ones that are known, but again, it kind of all but disappeared by the time anything else came out. Good. For the best. Yeah. Uh, another one uh, that's uh, a pretty fun one is uh, one we've discussed already ourselves, and that is the apparitions of Ray, also known as quantum rays. Yeah. And that is that all of the ghostly rays we through, see throughout the series is actually the Lilith form projecting, uh, glancing through time. Checking up on Shinji and other things, but mostly Shinji. Yeah, and that also ties into uh, another theory that, you know, the time loops, uh, which is that until the first instrumentality happens uh, and Lilith is formed into her godlike state, the apparitions cannot exist beforehand, which is why she doesn't show up at the beginning of the manga, but shows up in every other iteration. Yeah. I want to. Exp- no, I'll get to. Uh, when we get into the more out there fan theories, I now have my own personal fan theory. I want to <laughs> add into things. But we'll get there. We'll get there. I don't know how I feel about you already establishing that it's an out there fan theory. 
I know enough about myself to know that any theory I have is not their fan theory. Uh, another popular one that started with the end of the manga series, but also rebuild kind of almost solidified, is the idea of multiple timelines or looping timelines. Yeah. So the multiple timelines, obviously the big difference between that and the looping timelines is everyone believes it's the same characters reincarnating going through the same steps over and over again in a loop. Whereas the multiple timeline theory is all the stories are happening at the exact same time in their own universe. And it's just little differences are them branching off into different things. Yeah, and neither one really is proven or disproven. The main focus for the loop one is the beginning of Rebuild has things left over that are clearly an homage to the end of Evangelion. So the seas being red and always been red since Second Impact. Uh, the outline that looks to be of an MPE at the beginning. Yeah. Cow we're talking about going through this multiple times. Oh, the third child again. Yeah. Stuff like that. Whereas the multiple timeline theory explains that, yes, they're all canon, which because of the uh, depths at the end of Christ Upon a Time, the Golgoth object, which is outside of time, that's kind of the basis for being infinite timelines and not necessarily a Fair. I can see that. That is kind of the main theory I have been operating since we got Rebuild. Yeah, and I think that's natural people will fall for Rebuild, is that one of those two is going to be your uh, assumption, and if you have an extensive experience with Evangelion, I think people tend to fall more towards the loop theory because of those clear homages at the beginning of Rebuild. Whereas I think if it's just a general understanding of the series, you'll start thinking it's more of the timelines because they kind of mention timelines in the Rebuild storyline. Also, from for me per personally, I find the timelines and branching all that stuff to be a more intuitive way of thinking about it because like lots of time or lots of stories that have different timelines or different universes with similar things talk about it from that perspective of branching timelines with choices whereas the loop thing is not something that a lot of people or a lot of different versions of fiction really use well that's why i said it. it's the people who are more heavily invested in even going before it happened fall more than that one and that's also because Ono himself was not really uh helping i guess in that sense because He's been like multiple times like, oh, even going into a story about loops. Yeah. <laughs> if you're like, oh, you know, the metaphorical, uh, you know, cycle of things where, you know, uh, father does something and then the son is doing the exact same thing. Or, you know, Misato, Kaji, and Ritsuko pretty much doing something that is passed on to the kids and all that stuff. Like the, the endless cycles of things. Yeah. But, but no, it was, it was literal, I guess. The loop of Evangelion. Yeah. It's an actual time loop. Shinji's trapped this whole time. Well, it's, uh,. It's like if you look at those astronomical diagrams of the moon orbiting the Earth while the Earth orbits the sun and the sun orbits the giant black hole at the center of our universe. It's loops within loops within loops, baby. There's always <laughs> loops all the way down. It's all loops. Yeah. Not only are there the giant overarching story loops where it goes from one timeline to the next one after the other, there's also the interior loops of uh, Gendo being a bad father, which leads to all Shinji making similar choices together. But then there's the even lower level of loops of Shinji eating SpaghettiOs. Those are loops. Fruit Loops? Cheerios? Yeah. You, it, you don't notice because you're not paying close enough attention, but every time Shinji eats food, it's loop-based food. <laughs> How far does this go? I don't know. Yeah, uh, I think usually people fall into one of the two. 
really neither one is confirmed or denied. We may never have it confirmed or denied, but at the very least, the story that's presented implies that one of the two is a fact. Yeah. It's less of a theory that those are things, and more so which specific one you subscribe to is the fan yeah. aspect of it. Uh, another fun one that we've discussed on the podcast is the one that popped up during the anime's run, and that's that Misato's the one that killed Kaji. I do remember discussing that. I prefer our personal fan theory of Shinji's the one who shot yeah. Kaji, but uh, Misato's also good. Yeah, and uh, I, I believe I mentioned at the time, but the reason this theory even started was because of how the episode was cut. It seemed to very imply that Misato was the one that shot him, because it goes from him dying to Misato being very upset as she gets home. Yeah. Uh, whereas in other iterations, it's been made very clear, including the re-release of the anime, because this one falls more to a misconception, because Otto has been very clear, that was a goof on our part, Misato did not shoot Kaji. Yeah. Not actually a thing that happened. It's just, Misato was upset before she knew about Kaji dying. That's all. Yeah. And in the manga we just went through, we, we see, you know, nameless agent, which could be Sile or Nair, but it's implied that Britsko was aware of what was going to happen, because she also gives him a warning at one point. Yeah. But we never get a definitive who was responsible for Kaji's death. Except for in Rebuild, when it was Kaji. Yeah, Kaji was absolutely responsible for Kaji's death. But I said, uh, we in this house believe that Shinji is the responsible oh, yeah, party. Oh yeah, 100%. He shot him and then strangled him. Yeah. Crushed his chest like a tiny cat. Yeah. Kara told man to do this. <laughs> Who? Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> this will make sense in three volumes. Uh, here's a fun one that doesn't have an answer. But uh, what is the soul inside Unit Zero? I don't think... I, I personally, uh, for that one, don't think there is a soul inside Unit Zero. I think the reason Ray is able to pilot is the same reason that... Uh, Kauru Kauru can pilot Unit 2 without even going inside Unit 2. Doesn't need to directly interact with the soul if he has the powers of an angel. Ray's just subconsciously using that to pilot Unit 0. True, and the requirement of a soul also implies that all the MPEs had to have had souls placed in them. I I think the one thing that probably works against it is that the machine goes berserk and targets Gendo. That's true. Uh, but some of the popular theories obviously have always been Naoko's one of the ones in there uh, because I think at the very least Ray doesn't need a compatible soul because the same reason Kaoru doesn't need yeah. a compatible soul to pilot the Eva so uh, it, Naoko I think is a possible good theory we know that Unit Zero was being built around the time and they kind of made breakthroughs with it So, but at the same time that also that it happened after Yuri already fused herself on purpose, which yeah. means they would have had to know to, known about it. They would have to known about the fusing materials, and given how Naoko dies, would have means kind of had to like resuscitate her and then like put her into the Ava and intentionally fuse her soul. Well, no, no, because uh, a, a dead person can still be turned into the soul inside the Ava because when it was turned to LCL, it's living and dead that are brought in. That's right? true, but still, it, even if it's not. Naoko surviving and doing it. 
it still feels like the rest of Nerv or Giram, if they're still bad at the time, depending on how exa- what exactly they, they happens. They turn to Nerv as soon as Nalco dies. Yeah, they would have to know that they're intentionally putting Nalco's soul. Yeah, and I guess there is the possibility of the situation just of she died and Gendo's like, I can still use her. And that does seem very on brand for Gendo now that you mention it. Yeah, but uh, she's one of the popular theories. I think it does fit narratively with a lot of things, but we never get definitive on it, obviously. Uh, another popular theory is that it's a fragment of Ray. Fair. Uh, there's kind of two things for why this is the basis. So, Ray's already a fragmented body in a sense, because part of her is in the Evangelion series. There's the body that's walking around that is Ray. She's also Lilith, but Lilith's body is soulless. But the idea for this one is essentially that Ray's compatibility with Unit Zero and why no one else can use it is because it's Ray, who's an angel herself. Ultimately, that's why no one else can pilot Unit Zero. But the reason that she's able to complete the ritual, in a sense, that Genda wants to is because after Unit Zero is destroyed, all of Lilith's soul is in one location. Which also is to kind of highlight how during the resets we see of Ray, the only time she gets really aggressive reset or Ray's aggressive in any aspect, is Ray 1 and Ray 3. So the idea is that after Ray 1 was killed, part of her soul goes in Unit 0, and that's the more aggressive part of her soul. Yeah. And then after Unit 0 is destroyed, the soul comes back. That's when she starts being aggressive again. Exactly. I can see that. I still personally subscribe to There Is No Soul Inside Unit 0, and the only reason she can pilot it is because of the Angel stuff. Yeah. But I can see why other people would make theories as to it. Oh, yeah, it's definitely one of the mysteries of the series that hasn't been answered and probably will never be. But when it comes down to it, usually the two popular ones are it's Nalco or a fragment of Lilith. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, another fun one that's debated is the episode 25 and 26 of the anime is also End of Evangelion. Uh, that's the one where they go through the uh, deconstructed art therapy. Yeah, where Shinji's on the stage thing. And the idea for this one is that, effectively, everything happens as it did in End of Evangelion. But there's a part missing, which is, after Instrumentality starts, then technically it's episode 24, uh, the last two episodes of the uh, anime, where Shinji goes through Instrumentality learning to love himself, and then it's the scene of him telling Rei this is what he wants, which then leads to the end of Evangelion beach scene. Don't forget about the applause. Yeah, congratulations. Uh, part of the basis for this one, obviously, is that in the last two episodes, we see flashes of things that are in reality, which we see dead Misato where she dies, dead Ritsuko where she dies, and a few other things. So the implication is that Shinji's seen the glimpses of what already happened at the time of instrumentality in the storyline. I can see that. I'm perfectly on board with that. Accurate. And it's one of those things. It doesn't. It doesn't. Break any. Yeah, it doesn't. It is not one of those theories that if you accept it, it changes things drastically. It's just. It kind of tidies things up a little bit, I guess, if you want to point it that way. But beyond that, there's not a huge change if this theory is true versus false. So. I see no reason to argue against it. Or for it yeah, it, it's very clear that. 
the events of the anime at the end are in instrumentality, but there's never a leaving of instrumentality. Yeah. So, at, uh, end of Evangelion kind of wraps around it. But I think one of the other reasons people tend to push back against this one is because of how End of Evangelion is presented. Because, uh, I don't know if you remember, but there's the two episode numbers. Uh, it's, I forget it is, 25, 26? Yeah, I think it's 25, 26. And it has the, like, primes. Yeah, and then, yeah, the movie uses the same number system for the two parts of the movie, thus implying for a lot of people that it's the replacement because the ending was bad? No. It, full disagree. Yeah. Uh, because a lot of people thought that the ending of the anime, uh, misconception here, that the anime ending was the way it was because they had budget cuts, they weren't able to do it in time, a bunch of stuff. But no, that was never the case. It, the ending of the anime is fully as it was intended to be. Yeah. And then End of Evangelion was kind of... Even planned at the time, they wanted to do End of Evangelion. But a lot of people also think they only did End of Evangelion because of the backlash because of the ending of the anime. So it's like, okay, we'll do the End of Evangelion to appease everybody. Not the case either. No. End of Evangelion was planned. They had the ideas. They wanted to use them. They just never got the chance to in the anime. The anime was ended as what they fully intended to be. There was no budget cuts or production issues. It is how it was intended. And they got the chance to do both, which is great. Good for them. Uh, but I think it is that numbering thing of movie presents itself as the last two episodes in the numbering for the titles of each part, which I think leads to the confusion and the misunderstanding that it's a replacement. Yeah, I my understanding or how I choose to interpret it is that the whole reason that it has those numbers on it is not to act as a replacement for episode 25 and 26, but more to make it clear narratively this is happening after episode 24 if you want to know what's happening in the physical world during the time of instrumentality. Like, this is what it looks like outside. This is... This is just instrumentality from another perspective. Yeah, and we even discussed it when we finished the anime itself. The anime's ending is not focusing on Sile Gendo in its mentality. No, it's focusing on... Shinji. Shinji, yeah, what he's going through. Yeah, the story ends with Shinji learning to love himself. That was the focus of the story all along. And then end of Evangelion is just kind of the lore ending of the story. This is this is the ending for the plot that we're telling, and then this is the ending for the story that we're telling, which is not about the plot; it's about the character. Right. Yeah. Uh, so uh, with that, th- those are kind of like the more generally known. I think people, even outside of Evangelion, are gonna get glimpses of. Uh, but let's de- dive into some of the deeper ones. Uh, this one, I guess, this one is also kind of a people looking inwards, but uh, Neon Genesis Evangelion is religious propaganda, is a popular one. No, we, I mean, sure, that can be a thing people believe, but we also discussed this relatively early on in this podcast. It's not that Otto was trying to spread like, religious propaganda about angels or anything, or about the apocalypse. It was purely just, in Japan, they view Christian mythology the same way we look at a lot of Japanese mythology or Greek mythology. Uh, like, yeah, I think Greek cool is the story. better example for, you know, the Western audience type thing. Yeah. Uh, you play God of War. It's like, oh, this is a cool mythology story. It's not Greek propaganda. But you have to remember at the same time, well, Greek mythology was a religion that yeah. was followed at the time. And it's the same thing for most people in Japan. There's not a lot of Christians in Japan. They have yeah. their own religion. 
So when they look at the mythology, and you can see this even with older RPG games from Japan and all that stuff, they think, oh, that's a cool looking thing. I want to add it to my story. And that's ultimately what it was. It was aesthetic, not gospel. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and it's, you know, when people name things like that, they want to, uh, you know, give meaning to, like, some names. So when the angels were named, it was to reflect, you know, the aspect of that angel and not so much, you know, telling a story from the Bible is the best yeah. way to put it. Because a lot of people that are very adamant that, like, everything in Evangelion is specifically pulling from the Bible and telling Bible stories. Not really. There's a lot of homages because of the mythology aspect, but anna has been very clear from the beginning that there's no religious context to his story. Yeah. Uh, another one that was discussed a lot, and even now people tend to argue about if it's correct or not, and that's the correct definition of LCL, or what LCL stands for. Uh, because there's only one thing that tells us what LCL is, and that is in the manga, it identifies it as Link Connection Liquid. Yeah. Disagree. <laughs> but then there's people that believe that it's supposed to be Lilith Connection Liquid. I So I had my own interpretation of what LCL stood for. I don't know if I ever said it on this podcast, but when it got referred to as, like, the primordial soup from which everything comes or something like that, like, I believe that's a phrase Gendo or Futsuki uses to refer to LCL. Uh, I... I came up with my own uh, anagram, not anagram, acronym, acronym for what LCL stood for, which was uh, the Life Creation Liquid. Uh, that's wrong. That's not what it is. But uh, that's what I'm standing by to this day because I thought that at one point a year, almost two years ago. I mean, it fits. It fits very well. Yeah. But uh, yeah, we've only had it officially written in one thing. That was the manga in one of the dossiers that gives like you know facts about the series and definitions. And it's listed as Link Connection Liquid. Which makes sense. It's the liquid they put inside the entry plug so that you can properly link up with the fucking Ava. Yeah. And there's still people that say, well, the manga's not canon, so it's not what it is. But again, it's one of those situations where it being called Link Connection Liquid in anything does not take away from it yeah. the story aspect. It changes nothing about the story. It's because and you have to remember LCL or link connection liquid if that's what it's called is not an accurate description of exactly what it is narratively it's what people in the universe call it and they call it LCL because for anyone who interacts with LCL who doesn't have a deeper understanding of what's going on in Evangelion its sole purpose is to connect Avas to their pilots so it would make sense that they would call it LCL or link connection liquid and thus in universe it would be called that that's all names are. Names are just the things we assign to them because that's the best descriptor for it. Just because it seems like a bad descriptor from our perspective outside the universe doesn't mean that that's not its name because that's what it's been called in-universe by people who only have the perspective of living inside that universe. Also, fuck you if you disagree. <laughs> fight me. Email me your address and I'll fight you. <laughs> it's been awesome. since this one came back. The moment we start talking about fans and their beliefs, I get fighty. <laughs> I don't know why. Uh, this next one I think you're going to enjoy. Uh, but this theory is that First Impact killed the dinosaurs. No, I'm fully on board with that one. Yeah, no. 100%. Yeah. So, um, uh, yeah uh, Lilith and Adam coming to Earth 
uh, is ultimately what led to the extinction of the dinosaurs, which was the true inhabitants of the planet that were wiped from existence and aliens took over. I'm going to make a small twist on this one, which is not accurate at all, but this is my own personal headcanon, but it's, once again, not accurate at all. Yeah. Uh, there is more separation between Adam arriving and Lilith arriving. Dinosaurs were actually the first children of Adam, uh, and then Lilith came crashing in and killed all the dinosaurs and sealed away Adam at the same time. <laughs> the dinosaurs were immortal. Yeah. If it wasn't for Lilith, they never would have died. But no, I'm fully on board with uh, first effect killing the dinosaurs. Yeah. It's one of those fun theories, like, there's nothing that really says that otherwise that was wrong, but it just adds an interesting layer to the story. Yeah. Especially with the whole alien aspect of, like, they've sent multiple of these seeds out into the universe... They didn't give a fuck about where they were going. Yeah, for sure. Uh, with this one, uh, a neat little fact as well that uh, in the textbook Shinji reads in one of the things, it refers to the first impact as the giant impact. Yeah, sure. And it, it's the reason, the only reason they're referred to as the impacts, uh, just to go back to that one, is because the cover up story of what happened with the second impact was a meteor hit Antarctica, yeah. and not that uh, science was done horribly wrong. Yeah, no, it was... <clears throat> sorry. Uh, it was a similar idea, or the cover-up they used was, it's the same thing that happened to the dinosaurs. Meteor impacted, but this one was slightly smaller. It didn't kill us. Yeah, so the reason it's referred to second impact is because in this world, effectively, they are counting, much like we do with the World Wars, every, like, geolo uh, not geological, uh, ecological change caused by a meteor impact. First one wiped at the dinosaurs and terraformed most of what the Earth is now, as well as creating one of the moons. Uh, Sorry, I just I love that explanation because when CLA goes to JSSDF, it's like, hey, Gendo's trying to trigger third impact. Most of the low-level soldiers are just like, Gendo's trying to get another meteor to hit Earth. How? What? <laughs> They've all played Final Fantasy VII, so they know what the deal is. Yeah, he's about to cast the spell meteor. Yeah. But this time, the life stream was not there to catch it. Yeah, exactly. Because we all became the life stream. That that's very funny to me. Like I had never thought of that before. But Sile using the line of Gendo's trying to trigger third impact, from my perspective, was like, yeah, we understand what third impact means. But to the rank and exactly. file soldier in the universe, er, that makes no sense of a claim. Yep, that, that's one of the big problems I think overall. And he just is it forgets its own like, you know censorship to the public yeah <laughs> that the terms are used very openly it's like would the public know this though yeah would, would they understand what you're claiming right now yeah but yeah uh every time the word impact is used it's in reference to a meteorite as part of the cover-up of what happened in the real second impact of the year 2000 yeah makes sense uh this was another interesting one that uh kids born after the second impact have no souls I don't uh, So this one seems to stem from... Uh, I don't know if you remember this, but it's talked about when the gates of Guff were opened, when they were doing the experiments after Second Impact. It was empty, except for Lilith. So the idea that this came from was after Second Impact triggered, there was no more souls, which means every child born wouldn't have been getting a soul from Guff. Thus, every child after the Second Impact is soulless which uh, is used to explain why there's a low birth rate in the world. You know, not the fact that there was a giant shake-up ecologically, and these are kids born 
two parents during the events of the year 2000, essentially. Is this from Rebuild where they talk about the Gates of Guff, or is this another one? Uh, the anime also discusses it. it with the whole Ray uh, revelation, because they opened the Gates of Guff, and there was only one soul, and that was the soul that was used to make Ray. Okay. And then we found out that, that was Lola's soul. This is fitting more and more into my Oath Bear theory that I'm going to share with you. <laughs> okay. But it's one of those interesting ones where you don't really think about it because like, it was like a non-thing at the time because there was bigger things going on. Yeah. But then you start sitting down and thinking, like, it was empty. Where are all these new people coming from? Yeah. <laughs> this, this is a fun one. Uh, and it's... I say this falls more into a misconception because there's no way this <laughs> can be, be true. But the idea is that the Spear of Longinus is the actual Holy Spear of Longinus. It just got really big. <laughs> See, <laughs> but, that, but that implication yeah. actually... Goes backwards because our understanding is it was originally used for the Avas in there, or not Avas. The Avas. well, no, last thing it's confirmed later on that these were sent on the moon. Exactly. So that doesn't mean it got big. That means it got small enough to be used to step Jesus, and then got big again. Yeah. Uh, that's that's pretty great. Yeah, and, and I think this is just this falls kind of in like the people believe like uh, the religious symbolism is real in yeah. Evangelion. So, of course, the Spear of Longinus has to be the literal Spear of Longinus from Christian mythology, and not, oh, it's just another thing. Yeah, it has a, the only possible explanation if you believe this is biblical propaganda. Well, the, the one thing that is made very clear is that the Dead Sea Scrolls did not name these things. They just said this was going to happen. Yeah. So, the Spear of Longinus name given to the spears are not the actual names of them that were given by the first ancestral race, which has very little to do with the story. We don't know what they were calling these things. All the names are names given to them by humans. Yeah. They specifically even name the angels as they appear in the anime. Yeah. And they're not like, oh, Gagio's gonna be the next one popping up. It's It appears, and they assign it a name as a code name. So a lot of the religious things in universe explanation is it's just they're assigned code names. Which implies that the universe, or the story isn't actually biblical literalism or like some sort of like trying to tell a biblical propaganda story. And it just implies that there's one guy in-universe who's in charge of naming things, and he's a huge Bible nerd. Yes. It'd be like you get a boat and name it the Odysseus. Yeah. He's... They've had a spear. He's like, oh, this this spear's big enough to spear God. I know a spear that speared God. The spear of Longinus. This is the spear of Longinus. Was it wielded by a man named Longinus? Fuck you. Shut up. This is the first man. We're calling him Adam. He wasn't actually, like, uh, technically our species didn't come from him. He has nothing to do with humankind. Fuck you! It's already been named that. He's the first man. He's Adam. Yeah. And this is one I think the the idea popped up early before we got the actual explanation of what's going on with this species. And that's why I think this one is never going to be considered like, this is what happened. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> there are uh, some people who believe that an ET field is a real-life psychological term. Sure. In what sense? As in that... Because they use a lot of real psychological terms throughout Neon Genesis. Uh, so there was a period where people thought an ET field was an actual, legitimate scientific field thing. Of course. Thank God it's not. Yeah. This is more... I guess this one's less of a misconception about Neon Genesis. But a misconception about what's being said in Neon Genesis. Yeah. Because, you know, Hedgehog's Dilemma is an actual concept. So people thought the concept of an ET field is like a physical barrier. 
that is used to separate oneself from another is a thing. But I think, and my, you know, university psychology information is a bit rusty at this point, but I think that's just the ego in psychological terms. Yeah. Is what separates you from another person. I, I, yeah, technically, ego is kind of your sense of self, so you can argue that's how you separate yourself. Yeah, but people thought there was an actual, like, concept known as the absolute terror field in psychology that was used to explain the separation of one individual from another. I'm gonna be honest, if Sigmund Freud, uh, instead of calling it the ego, referred to that portion of the psyche as the absolute terror field, <laughs> a lot more edgy teens would have gotten into psychology. That's true. Oh, Mom, Dad, you're encroaching on my absolute terror field. <laughs> <laughs> and that's not cool. Well, do you have any other theories you'd like to share? Uh, so, uh, this one's kind of going back to what we discussed, but it's the idea that someone we know is responsible for Kaji's death and not a nameless figure. Uh, obviously there was the Misato shot aspect. Uh, also Cat Lady, if I remember correctly, was one of the potential Yeah, his, his contact that he was using. Anyone talk about the real theory of Shinji being the killer? <laughs> well, there's also the idea that Gendo did it himself, or that Ritsuko also did it herself, is two of the other spinoff ideas. But I feel like this one kind of... You can eliminate Ritsuko. Yes. Because Ritsuko got the phone call and was advised about it, and her response wasn't a, you know, oh yeah, he's dead. She wasn't, she wasn't the one giving information that he was dead. She was receiving the information it was done. Yeah. Gendo, I don't think, would get his hands uh, dirty in this situation. No. I think he would consider that below. Yeah, in fact... We never get a confirmation on which side had him killed, but I, in my understanding of it, I think Gendo still would have saw Kaji as an asset at this point. Yeah. Especially where, in most of these versions, Kaji had sided with Gendo. Yeah. I can see that. So I think it was just nameless Sile uh, Grunt that did it. I still think it's Shinji, but I can accept nameless Sile Grunt as a yeah. fallback. Maybe he works for Sile. They also don't give him a name, because they'll follow Gendo's rules sometimes. Yeah. That's the one thing Sile and Gendo agrees on. Uh, this was a, a misconception uh, in the story originally, uh, but it's that Rei and Kaoru are albinos. Sure. Now, it, it wasn't that they weren't angels as well, but the idea was that mixing angel DNA with human physiology would make an albino. That's some, like, ever so subtly, like, racist beliefs getting in there. Like, the closer you are to God, the whiter you are. <laughs> also, if that's the way they would have went with it, that would have been some, like, interesting implications for, like, the existence of albinos in general. Yeah. But ultimately, it's because they are angels more so than they are human, even though humans are angels. Yeah. And this is one that's... We never got an explanation on why they are, you know, pale with the red eyes. I think it's an aesthetic choice to differentiate them from other humans because they are Adam and Lilith, ultimately. Yeah, it's... I interpret it as... It's less so to make them different from other humans, and more so when you first see Kaoru, you want to be able to say, he's like Rey, and not necessarily know why. So you have to make him look similar enough to Rey, but also make Ray look distinct enough from humans that you're not just going to say, he's another person. Yeah, they're, but they're he's supposed to have another worldly look to them. Yeah, they're specifically supposed to look like each other in a way that makes them different from other humans. 
Yeah, and again, End of Evangelion kind of disproves this idea as well because it's not mixing human and angel DNA because human DNA is angel DNA. Yeah. It's just Adam and Lilith DNA is the dividing factor here. The dividing factor. Yeah. Yeah, this one's considered more of a Mandela effect one, and that's that Toji lost his leg and his arm. Oh, because they remember it as him losing his arm even though he only ever lost his Yeah, leg. which I, I, I was remembering, I, I could have swore it was mentioned in the anime that he lost his arm as well. But when you go back, he's always got his arm. There's never a version that he doesn't have his arm. So I don't know where it came from. Uh, same place. And, and it is possible that maybe the original dub had something mentioned in arm. Yeah. But yeah, most things will just say he had his leg severed. Classic Chompy Chompies. I'm referring to the fact that Unit 1 bit the entry plug and that's bit off his leg. You know, Chompy Chompies. <laughs> um, now, this is a fun theory that I think can go either way. Uh, I don't really have a strong opinion on it, but it fits within the world. And this involves Naoko again. So, much like people say Naoko's soul is in Unit 0, there's an idea that Naoko is still alive. But it's, she's been transplanted into the Magi system. Either her soul was moved over, or as she was dying, Gendo had her brain hooked up to the device. Yeah, that's one of those ones where I can accept it because it doesn't make a huge difference on the plot. It arguably better explains the whole uh, ending where... Uh, Magi side with Gendo against uh, Ritsuko. Yeah, it makes it more poignant if it is Naoko in there that actually chose Gendo over her daughter. Yeah. Uh, uh, part of the thing that builds onto this is in End of Evil Gun, Ritsuko's inside the thing. It looks like she's hooked into a brain. Fair. But yeah. uh, there's definitely a lot of people that do believe that in some aspect Naoko was transferred into the Magi system and didn't just die there. I can see both sides. I can see how it makes things a bit tighter and isn't egregious of a thing to believe in. And I can also see why people would argue against it. Because it doesn't add anything crazy to the story. Especially something that wasn't followed up on. Yeah. Like, there wasn't even, like, a hint that that was what was going on. It was more circumstantial evidence led to the idea that this is how it was going. But... We never saw anything that suggests that the Magi system changed after Naoko's death. Yeah. Well, right? Yeah, so that's why I am willing to accept it because I don't see anything egregious with it, but can also understand why people would be opposed to this theory. Yeah. It's just one of those ones that's like, oh, that's a fun thing to think about, like the implications of the story if Naoko is alive and has decision making capacity within the Magi system. Yeah. Uh, so this is an interesting one about Keel. Uh, Lorenz, the head of Sile. Yep. And the idea, I think, started before other Keel stuff came to light in other spinoffs, which we haven't gone through yet. But it is believed that Keel is actually an immortal who's been wanting the wor- uh, world for years. So what you're saying is he's kind of like a dinosaur. <laughs> Quite possibly. The idea is he has a, like a level of immortality and that's why he's the head of Sile. He's probably the founder of Sile, and everything he's been doing is to fulfill a prophecy in a sense. Yeah. I mean, I can see some evidence for this where he talks about how 
humanity keeps trying to destroy itself, and that's why Sila exists, because they want to save humanity from itself, that sort of thing. So I could see that being the opinion of someone who has been around long enough to have seen humanity keep on this dumb shit and want to intervene. I can see some level of explanation for that. Yeah, and it's also, I think this happened with Keel because he's a character that we don't really get a lot of information on. He is a very uh, open book in that nothing has been printed into the book yet. Yeah, uh, and I, I think the failings of this one is we have, well, first off, we find out that Keel is mainly kept alive by robotics. Yeah. After instantiality. Not a thing that would be... So, them being older than they are, I do 100% believe. I think yeah. they are a much older than they appear to be. But I think that's due to science and technology, and not so much Keel just as an immortal being. Yeah. Uh, which is why we see them, the mechanical parts left behind after Instrumentality and, and Evangelion. Uh, but on top of that, we see Keel age. Do we? We see a younger Keel. Uh, remember in the flashback episodes where it's Gendo's in the background? Well, Keel's with him, and he's a much younger Keel. It's true. We do see a younger Keel. Uh, Keel and Gendo were working together before Impact happened, as we find out from the tapes when they're discovered as well. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. So, uh, definitely, I think Sile has been playing with the concept of immortality and how they can extend human life. I, I, I don't would, think he's an immortal being that's been there since the beginning of time. I would even accept that immortality was their first plan. Like, not he is immortality, but they were striving towards immortality before instrumentality, and then when immortality didn't work out for them, they pivoted towards instrumentality. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd be willing to accept that, but yeah. I don't agree with him actually being an immortal being who's been around for all of civilization and has founded Sealy to take direct intervention. Yeah, and on that idea, there is an interesting aspect to Keel, which gets revealed in the anime light novel series. So Anima is uh, kind of a sequel to Anime Evangelion. Uh, actually, it's probably close to the manga, but essentially Anima is a world where the events of End of Evangelion happened, but instrumentality was never triggered. So, in uh, this world, Shiji fought off the MPEs with Asuka, nothing happened of it, Gendo was stopped before he triggered impact, and has gone missing. Okay. Also, Kaji never dies. Classic. Except, no, not classic. The opposite. <laughs> New and original. But th that's the setup for the animal world, and we get some interesting stuff about Keel, and some aspects about him that I think also lead into this idea. Fair. Uh, this one is probably a misunderstanding or a mistranslation. But uh, the belief is that the dummy plug plant, so the spot where we see Ray floating in the LCL, is the Chamber of Gum. Yep, I, I'm pretty confident that's just a misunderstanding. And, and I think this uh, the place is set up to look like a brain for uh, obvious reasons, but it's also where Ritsko reveals the aspect of the Chamber of Gum only had one soul in it, it was Ray. So I think it's either because all that information about Gum is presented here. Or, due to a misunderstanding of when Guff appears actually later, I think it's just people misunderstanding what was provided. Yeah. Because Guff is inside the black moon. Although technically it's uh, 
a separate world as we found out in Rebuild. But the axis is through the eggs. Yeah. Uh, another aspect, and this is an interesting one to think about, but uh, information we get is kind of contradicting, but it's not confirmed information, is the best way to put it. And that's when Lilith and Adam arrived on Earth. Uh, what we got information wise is that in order to make sure both uh, beings of life and beings of knowledge do not coexist on the same planet, making a godlike being. Uh, they have the spears to seal themselves if they do end up on the same way. So Lilith was supposed to seal herself when she got to Earth, but her spear was destroyed, so Adam had been sealing himself. Yeah. The theory is that Lilith actually sealed Adam so that she would live. Like, she intentionally went out of her way to seal him so she Yeah, would... so uh, it wasn't Adam impaled himself, she impaled Adam and left him in Antarctica as the idea. It's, it's an interesting way to think about it, there's nothing that tells us in the story that this is what happened, or even suggests this is what happened. Yeah. Because uh, Kauru is the soul of Adam, and he's not... Like, he hates Lilins. But it never comes off as, like, this bitch <laughs> put yeah. me in sleep. Yeah. Yeah, it's another one of those ones of... It might as well be true, because I don't feel like it changes anything drastically. Yeah, and as I said, there are contradictions to this idea in that... Lilith is still in the black egg. Yeah. And when they fully awaken her, it lifts the black egg up. So, if she never left, why would she return back to the black egg, is the idea. Because it's implied, it never stated though, that when she crashed, uh, and Adam sealed himself, because she didn't, then life form started oozing out of the black egg, essentially. The LCM. Yeah. So it seems like Lilith was never truly conscious until... Uh, and the guy. Yeah. But uh, it's a fun idea to think of them fighting to determine their species. And... The uh, Evangelion prequel no one asked for. Just Lilith and Adam having a spear battle to impale each yeah. other. Plus, on top of that, why would Lilith just stop at sealing Adam? Yeah, why wouldn't she fully destroy him? Yeah. Uh, here, here's an interesting idea. <laughs> The uh, string quartet scene in Death and Rebirth is canon. Which, the one where they're playing instruments during instrumentality? Death and Rebirth is the movie between the ending and... Uh, it was kind of like the recap of the story, which added some new context in. Right. And between these scenes of the flashbacks, it's them doing a string quartet, which is Asuka, Rei, Kaoru, and Shinji. But, obviously... Through the anime, we know it can't be because, well, even in any version, because Kaoru and Asuka never really share. Yeah, they never really coexist as The closest we get is in the manga, which he has her last fight and has the mental break the day Kaoru shows up. Yeah. So they have the back and forth in the bathroom, and that's about it. But the story, like, people are like, it's canon, but it doesn't really fit anywhere in the story that it's telling, because obviously, where it's the movie, recapping the TV show, it would have to be to the TV show canon, but Kaoru's only there for one episode, and by the time this happens we already have Ray 3 yeah. and Asuka's in a coma. Classic. Classic Asuka, entering left <laughs> I suppose that you could interpret it as it is instrumentality, possibly? It's instrumentality in a literal sense, because they're playing instruments. Uh, now, 
this is a fun one that you might have heard at some point. But uh, End of Evangelion was Anno's revenge against the fans for their negative response to the TV show. I did hear that one. Yeah. And I agree. Uh, Anno got mad at the fans. He's like, oh, you want a fucking action ending that explains plot? Well, fuck you. Here you go. Everybody's dead. Now, uh, as this one is a widely believed idea, kind of in the same vein as uh, the ending of the anime was due to budget reasons. All people believe this is the case, that Otto was pretty much a big fuck you to all the fans who were angry at it. But again, the concepts used in End of Evangelion were already present yes. in the ending of the anime, as we saw flashes to it. They wanted to do End of Evangelion, but they weren't able to get to it. Yeah. So when the Evangelion series was greenlit to do End of Evangelion, they used those concepts. Exactly. There might have been some tweaks to the story from what they originally had planned, but we do know, as of the anime ending, Ritsuko and Misato were dead. Yeah. Or had died before instrumentality triggered. And we didn't know exactly what instrumentality was. Other than it was Ono's way of getting back at his fans. <laughs> exactly. Now, I would say, uh, at the very least, it was probably both of these concepts were made in tandem. Yeah. And they just cut out one side of the story, so we only got the instrumentality stuff. Yeah, it, I would be more willing to believe that they had originally essentially written hour-long episodes for both 25 and 26 that had both of them, and essentially cut it down by taking out End of Evangelion. Yeah, I'm not saying it was cut for any reason, but I, I feel that they had to have had the other side of what was going on in reality planned out already. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. But because uh, there was a very negative context to End of Evangelion for like how it ends for a lot of characters and the very overt go the fuck outside you degenerates aspect of the story because uh, uh, where the anime had the more subtle uh, way of telling you the story of you know accept reality interact you can't just wall yourself off and hide your fantasy the end of Evangelion story was a lot more overt about that concept yeah even having the famous real world scenes where the characters or the actors of course actors were dressed up as the characters yeah Yeah, Ano uh, had uh, no anger towards the fans that he's like, I'm going to take this out on them through End of Evangelion. He had no anger that he admits he had towards fans. He <laughs> might have had a secret deep-seated anger. It's the funny thing, because I think uh, most people, if you ask them, like, today, End of Evangelion's probably, like, up there in the rankings of how much they like it, like, certain things from the Evangelion universe. So well, that's because they've seen the other content that comes from Evangelion, they're like, oh... There is no such thing as a truly happy ending. This is this is fine. This is what I get. Yeah, it's just that humorous thing of like at the time people were like, "Oh, it, Anna's doing this despite us because he is angry." Well, oh, and it's like it's the best David Gilliam was ever existed. Uh, there's also uh, part of it is because uh, I don't remember end of Gilliam that well, but there's also the flashes of the hate mail that comes up on the yes, screen. Yes, I do remember. Yeah, uh, I think that was also part of why people think that was the specific goal. But it was more, and this is mainly my interpretation of it, but I think the hate mail was to exemplify that, like, escaping into fantasy to the point that people would write hate mail was the point he was making, and not so much. These, specific, <laughs> these are the specific people that yeah. ruined Evangelion for me. These people are the ones that ruined my beautiful art. No, it's more so getting this deep into something that you care this passionately about it is what I'm trying to prevent from happening. You got so angry about a fictional storyline that you sent 
death threats to people because they didn't do the story the way you wanted it to be. Yeah. And just for that, I'm killing Misato, even though I already suggested I was killing Misato. <laughs> uh, so, another interesting one here is that uh, the MPEs don't have souls, is an aspect. Now, this kind of is going back to the Naoko thing we discussed, uh, with her being in Unit Zero and the MPs. Obviously, they're controlled by... The MPs are dubbing blood control. But this is more of a argument happening because of something Kaoru says in the story. Because he's the person who gives us the definition of what the AT field is. Which is, it's the light of the soul that separates you from the others. Yeah. So the idea is that in order to have an AT field, you must have a soul. And he's... Uh, have AT fields, which is why they're able to damage the Evangelions, and Unit Zero also is able to generate an AT field. But Carol's also able to generate an AT field around him, so Ray being in Unit Zero, it could just be her AT field. But the uh, argument is, are there souls in the MPs? Once again, I'm on the side of, no, I don't think there's souls in them. Mostly because of the nature of mass-producing something, it doesn't really work if you have to find a person to sacrifice each and every time. Um, <laughs> Mass production is a soulless thing. It is a very soulless activity. Um, so I feel weird about the idea that the MPEs all have souls in them and they had to specifically select someone who each of the members of CLA could potentially bond with. Uh, so I don't know. Maybe this is another one of those ones where if Arnold came out tomorrow and said, yeah, the MPs have souls, uh, these are the social security numbers of the people whose souls went into the <laughs> MPs, no part of me would be, like, upset about that uh, change, but at the same time, I stand firmly on the side of they don't have souls. Yeah, and, that, and I think this comes down to, we didn't specifically see them activate the AT field the way the Avas have. Yeah. On top of that, their main thing is not oh, you can't hit me, It's I'm just going to regenerate back. Yeah. And for breaking through the AT field, they have uh, replica Spear of Longinuses, which yeah. one of them fucked up Asuka and pierced her AT field, so I think that's the reason they get through the AT field. It's because they have a replica of the thing that's supposed to destroy AT fields. Yeah, exactly. So I, I do fall on the side. I don't think they have souls in them. And also, it's confirmed that the idea initially was that Sile was going to transfer their souls into the MPEs, the Evangelion series, for their own level of immortality. And if there's a soul inside it already, it kind of defeats the purpose. Exactly. Uh, another fun one here. Uh, all of the uh, things from episodes 25 and 26, uh, the instrumentality aspect, was all in Shinji's head, and it was happening during the time when you know, Shinji's kind of like somewhat comatose and not really paying attention, and it's like, I don't want to do anything, he's being dragged around by Misato. Those episodes are happening in his head at that moment. Okay. Sure, why not? I disagree, but sure, why not? Yeah, I guess the problem with this is, it doesn't match up with his reaction, because it would be, Shinji would obviously be snapping out of it at the time he's getting an able one, but... Him having a revelation about I can love myself doesn't fit up with the Shinji we have in that moment. No, he does not start loving himself yet. Yeah. So I feel like if you have to put them together in any aspect, that stuff has to happen after instrumentality is triggered. Yeah. Not before. It's while he's in the sea of... 
that also explains why he has so many other people's like thoughts at that time. Uh, this other one, these are two theories that have to do with the ending of End of Evangelion with Asuka on the beach. Uh, the first aspect of this is that Asuka didn't die and wasn't pulled into instrumentality. So when she gets to beat the fuck up by the MPEs, uh, we suspect that she has died because they're ripping it apart and eating it. Which Jinji also sees and has this breakdown moment and then we get more instrumentality. But the next time we see Asuka, she's got an eye patch over the eye and the arm that was shredded up is bandaged up. So the uh, way this theory goes is that everyone got pulled into instrumentality except for Asuka. <laughs> Who then had to find bandages and bandage herself up. And I guess, to be fair, in this theory, I can see why Asuka is Would just... Would choke the shit out of Shinji? No, Shinji chokes her. Oh, right, yeah. But she just doesn't give a fuck about anything. Yeah. Why she would just be so apathetic. Yeah. Refer to as disgusting. Of course, this also ignores the fact that uh, in this mentality, he strangles Asuka. Yeah. Who calls him on his bullshit. Can't please her. Yeah. She was both pulled into uh, instrumentality and not pulled into instrumentality. Well, and this is ultimately the thing to realize they were all pulled into instrumentality during the coup, correct? Yes. When we see Shinji come out of instrumentality, he's in his clothes again. Yes. So I'd have to assume that they manifest what they believe they're supposed to look like, and I think Asuka believes I was badly fucking injured, and that's why she's bandaged up. Yeah. I think it's more of her perception of herself much like Shinji receives himself in his school clothes because that's his main outfit. Yeah. And that's why Asuka's in her plug suit, but also bandaged up. Because she pictures, or she imagines herself both primarily as an able pilot, but also as damaged. Yeah. Oh, damaged. Uh, on top of that, uh, the other theory about Asuka at the end of Evangelion, which this one has been confirmed it's incorrect, is that she was made by Shinji. But it wasn't just Asuka that the manifestation was actually a combination of Rei, Asuka, and Misato. That's just dumb. I don't like that. <laughs> I'm mad at whoever, whoever came up with that theory. Send me your address via email so I can fight you. This was the theory when the movie came out. Yeah. That uh, Shinji created the essentially perfect woman. And the perfect woman in his mind was mentally a combination of Asuka, Misato, and Rei, but physically just Asuka. Well, the idea is that the Asuka at the end has physical characteristics of all three of them. <laughs> oh, the bandages are right, of yeah. course. That's so dumb. <laughs> the thing I like most about Rei is that she's regularly So dumb. Yeah. And especially in, like, I can see in the hype of the moment. Like, oh, was that what that was? Because you're seeing it in the theater. Yeah. You, you see it briefly, and then you leave the theater. You, you see it for a couple moments. You have your conversation with your best buds on your uh, trip home from the theater. And you're like, oh my god, you saw Oscar, right? She had bandages. Those are just like raised bandages. Do you think maybe there was a little bit of Ray in there and like Shinji created her so he could have the perfect wife to start the yeah. world over with? Because the idea is that Shinji is God at the end was the theory. Yeah. So if Shinji has all this godlike power, then yeah, he created a companion, thus kind of doing the ultimate, uh, you know, 
Adam and Eve ending story type. Yeah. Uh, for like the symbology of it. <laughs> but the fact that it was a prevalent theory that lasted for some time is like, oh. <laughs> oh god, you guys are dumb. To her, I've always heard that people really can't go are dumb. <laughs> and you know what, to abstract it to the next level, people who like a podcast all about Avondalian, they're the coolest people on earth, actually. <laughs> But yeah, I already kind of also briefly mentioned another one, which is people think Shinji is essentially the god of this world. Yep. Which means he controls what everything is. Uh, and that was even a theory going into Rebuild with what we were seeing about it being a restart, that Shinji was going to actively himself restart the timeline, which is why that Shinji also acted different in certain scenes. And it was like, what level of understanding does he have? But he was still the god who created this world. But later clarification indicated Shinji never had god powers, the person with the god powers was doing what Shinji asked. Yeah. Which leads into that crazy theory I was telling you I had earlier, uh, which is essentially that if we accept, or if we choose to accept the loop theory of it's all loops, and also the manga was the first loop, that Shinji is indirectly the reason, or responsible for the fact that there are loops, is that initially it was just going to play out a single timeline in the manga, and then it would end, and it would be over. But... When Shinji had the god... Well, not Shinji having godlike power, but being with godlike power was letting Shinji make the choices. And Shinji essentially had the overarching desire of protect humanity and more specifically protect these specific humans who I care about. Essentially, humanity is going to end at some point eventually. It's it, Maybe not soon, but eventually <laughs> humanity will come to an end. Prepare yourself for it if you must. Um... And essentially, the moment that happened, Shinji's wish, like, then took effect, and it just immediately started time back over so we could get humans again. And thus, Shinji is responsible for all of those. That is my theory. I'll workshop it a bit in, in like, a week's time when we do next episode. I'll... It would explain why Kaoru was so obsessed with Shinji. If Kaoru has an understanding of, from, like, outside the loops of loops are happening, and if he just somehow intrinsically knew it was Shinji's wish <laughs> that caused the loops to happen. That's why he's so obsessed with making Shinji happy, because the last time Shinji was extremely unhappy, he constructively changed the universe forever. Yeah. <laughs> Here's another fun one. Uh, Asuka Sundari. <laughs> yes and no, and also fuck you. I, I, I would not classify Asuka as a Sundari. I wouldn't either. The only I, I, she definitely has traits that I can see why that mistake would be made, but ultimately she doesn't behave like one in the truest sense. Yeah, she has moments where her behavior seems similar to them, which is why I said yes and no. Under this argument, Shinji is also Sundari if Asuka is. Yes. Yeah. It, literally, the problem she's an aggressive person who just can't explain her feelings. I don't think it's she is jealous that Shinji's interacting with the other people. I think it's literally she just doesn't know how to express herself to Shinji, her feelings about Shinji. Yep. Arguably, if we're accepting Asuka as Sundari, uh, then yes, I agree, Shinji is also Sundari by that same logic. And in certain of the timelines, Rei is also Sundari. And once we start getting to the point of every one of the main characters is Sundari, that's where we get to the point where I just say, fuck you, I disagree. Also, just to go back a little bit, where I saw people to email me their address so I could come fight them. 
uh, just make sure you send that email to fightingevangelion at gmail.com. <laughs> Setting up an email specifically for fighting the fans of this oh, podcast. Okay. Uh, so uh, we're at the point where I have one last uh, theory to go over. And this one, I think, falls into just how vague Thrice Upon a Time was about the timeline in the gap. And that's, there is a belief that Near Third Impact and Third Impact are the same thing. Or they're separate things. Like, there's a big argument about what is the case. I choose to believe so. Yeah. So we see Near Third Impact. Yeah, it's when Shinji is uh, going, essentially starting Third Impact just to pull Rei out of Unit 1. Yeah. Uh, and during this, it gets sealed, which stops it. That's why it's dubbed the near third impact. Because it didn't actually turn. Third impact is a bit weird. Yes. Because it starts and begins very far apart. <laughs> because uh, we see the end of third impact when Shinji's trying to fix everything. Yes. Uh, but we also know that Kaji sacrificed himself to stop the third impact. Yes. Which happens medium in the fucking time gap. Yes. So I think they are separate events purely because we know that Wheelay has the rebellion at a later date that clearly wasn't right after Shinji yeah. just did the thing. Because Shinji also gets, has to get sent to space at some yeah. point in here. Uh, and Kaji sacrificed himself to stop it, but we know it was already stopped because Coward put the spear through. Yes. So from that alone, we know that Kaji, a founder of Wheelay, who rebelled against them, sacrificed themselves to stop the impact, which just doesn't line up timeline-wise if it happened immediately after Shinji got sealed within Unit 1. Yeah. Times are fucking. It, it doesn't make sense if they're the same. Yeah. I understand they're vagabond, and I can see why people would come to that conclusion, but it just doesn't work out. That's the yeah. And with that, that wraps up the last thing uh, I had for today. Fair enough. So you get the teasing about uh, your off-the-wall theory? Oh, no, that was it. It was that Shinji is responsible for this. Oh. Shinji himself in the manga triggers the third... Uh, when he triggers third impact, uh, his wish to protect humanity is what causes all of the loops to happen after that. Fact. Fair enough. Well, uh, if there was a theory that you'd like more depth on that you feel like we didn't go over in this episode, of course, send us a message, reach out. We'll... Uh, tag it on to another episode when we have the chance to go over it in a bit more detail. Or, or if it's a meaty enough theory, we'll make a whole episode about it. Exactly. Uh, but I think it's time to wrap up this episode now. So, of course, if you'd like to send us a message, you can send it to whatismypodcastabout at gmail.com. On top of that, you, we also release these episodes every Wednesday on all podcasting platforms as well as YouTube. Like, favorite, subscribe, leave a review, tell a friend. Word of mouth is the best for spreading podcasts to new people. On top of that, we also have an Instagram page, Fairway Evangelion, where we update it with tidbits and aspects about the series as we go through, keeping it to about where we're at in the story as we go through it, so you have to worry about spoilers if you're following along for the first time. And as always, Peter, what can we expect on the next episode of Fairway Evangelion? Next time on Fairway Evangelion, I am taking over this podcast with an iron fist, and I will explain the lore of Evangelion and give you all of the facts of what's going on in this year. And hopefully plenty of fan service. No, no fan service, only facts. <laughs> <laughs>